0: You're about to listen to a recording of the vision talk which was given on the evening of Monday the 6th of January. Um, As we pick it up um, I've just said thank you to the church for the vision that you have to release us to wider ministry. I think it's really important that as a church that has been greatly blessed we're able to give away. Remember Jesus said that from those to whom much has been given much will be required and so we're really excited about our opportunities to share the good things that God has given us at All Saints and not just to put it out across our MMU, um, our local group of seven churches, but also through New Wine to be able to give it out nationally and even internationally. If you're interested in the ongoing ministry of New Wine, there are some copies of the Impact Review that shows how we've been able to bring a blessing to many places um, and the Impact Review is at the back of church. You can see some of what we've given um, in the last year, new wine has grown to a network of three and a half thousand leaders in this country We, op- we operate now in twenty three different nations worldwide, and uh, we 're able to bless mission uh, at home and abroad as well in many ways. One really significant thing is the renewal of the local church for the hope of mission, but also um, the work amongst children and young people where In the summer conferences, which now are about 23,000 people gathering, um, of those, there's about 7,000 children and young people. So we really are one of the most, if not the most significant event of its kind. So as we join the talk, um, I'm saying thank you for releasing Becky and myself to wider ministry, but also um, just celebrating how some of the other staff, particularly Martin and Fiona, are also involved. Martin is often involved in leading worship in the conferences. Uh, Fiona is uh, taking up a key role in leading uh, in Luminosity, which is the new youth work um, extension of uh, New Wine Youth in the summer conference and is away this weekend for planning meetings for that. Um, and just you know, so you get a feel for, for New Wine. It's basically churches like ourselves. In 2019, um, we had about 24,000 people gathered in Peterborough uh, for the first time that we'd met in Peterborough after 30 years at Shepton Mallet. We gave uh, nearly £189,000 away to charity. We had 552 toilets that were twinned. You don't want to see that little icon. I had to look at it carefully. Um, Five what? Oh, five resource churches. We uh, gave money into five resource churches. We had 1,108 local churches uh, represented at United. So, in other words, that summer conference, there were you know 1,100 churches were attending that conference. 202 free or discounted places were given away to Urban Network missionaries or international missionaries. 107 discipleship year students. We've got six of them, but there are a lot more around the country. Um, if we move on to the next lot, then um, oh, there's a couple of things repeated there. There were 6,672 children and teenagers at the summer conference. Now, if you know anything about the youth work picture in this country, you'll see how significant that is. 120 charities and organizations were represented. We've given away access to 300, um, more than 300 of our talks and podcasts. We've got 3,500 church leaders in England involved in the New Wine Network, um, meeting in 75 network groups all over England. And England is uh, just one of 23 countries that now has a new wine network. Of course, we have a lot of partners as well, a lot of places that don't have a new wine network but are basically sister organisations. So um, I'd value your prayers tomorrow. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to a diocesan meeting uh, as a training incumbent. Tomorrow afternoon, I jump on a plane to Denmark and do... um, tomorrow night and all day Wednesday, training leaders from something called Dansk OAS, which is the Lutheran charismatic revival movement uh, in Denmark. Um, they're not new wine because they're not ecumenical. Um, so we, we're ecumenical. But other than that, they're definitely part of us uh, and their leaders um, kind of journeying with us. So it's great to be able to, to invest from what God has blessed us here to invest it out locally, through the network uh, in the, the MMU and through the diocese and to invest it out nationally through New Wine and even internationally now as well. So important that we do this because we could pat ourselves on the back and say everything's all right here. Um, there's an African saying that if your neighbor's house is on fire, you have a problem. And so although we could actually... Comfortably, sort of look at what's going on here and say, "Well, we have got full services and we got all the things that you'd expect the church to have. Um, we're okay." What we need to do is we need to look more widely. And of course, that that scripture about if we've been given much, then much is required of us really comes into play in that, because what is happening outside of the picture that I've shown you is slightly terrifying, to be honest. Um, so this is the graph of the Church of England's attendance, and it's Every measure you could think of, those lines are the electoral roll, the usual Sunday attendance, the number of communicants at Easter, the number of communicants at Christmas. Every single one of those is on a similar trend line, isn't it? So you can see that the the national picture, um, the far left is 1960, the far right is 2015, but the trend is is pretty much locked in. It's, It's pretty set. It's fairly consistent. It's not going up or down much. Um, it's, it's on a line um, and that line is not good um, there is increasing concern about what's happening with our youth and young people's work as well our children, um, the number of churches that don't have any children in them at all is terrifying You know, if you're an Anglican church that has more than 25 children or young people in it, you are basically a, an, like a lesser spotted unicorn nowadays it's it's incredibly rare Um, there are very very few churches and um, I suppose one encouraging thing is that um, of the churches that do have uh, youth and young people they're almost exclusively evangelical the vast majority of them are actually new wine churches and so we have an opportunity to um, hopefully influence and shape the strategy of the church to help address that issue. Um, certainly outside of uh, the urban areas, and um, the picture is very, very bleak. If you're a rural church, um, or if, you know, outside of the urban areas, it's very, very unlikely to have any children involved in the church at all. Something, something like 70% of all the 20-year-olds in the church who worship um, in this nation are in London. Which means outside of London, that picture is pretty rough as well. And as I'll share tonight, we've got some encouraging things that buck the trend. But um, we we need to make sure that there are more churches like this that are able to to do that and see that happen. So we really want to share what it is that we've got as we're allowed to. Um, One of the things that the Church of England is doing to address this is actually saying that the, the strategy for a long, long time has been we've all had all our eggs in one basket and so we're going to invest into the place where we haven't got anything. Um, and, and what's happening as a result of that is, is that we're, we're often just trying to you know, bring life from the dead or we're trying to bring things, you know, bring into existence out of nothing. It's often far better to work where there is life and to encourage it to spread. So our bishops have started talking in this diocese about. We want to resource places that are alive and growing so that they can flourish and spread out. Um, And that even means that they will de-resource places that are not um, stewarding resources well. Now, we recognize some some areas are harder to work than others. um, So it's not a simple judgment of what faithfulness looks like. But it's good news for people that are really serious about investing into the gospel Um, So just a couple of things I'd encourage you to do. I brought a number of the New Wine Impact reviews with me on the table at the back. And if you'd like to read a little bit more about the things behind the stats I showed you earlier, please do take one. Um, But also just just understand that, that All Saints is being asked to play quite an interesting part now. So we are one of currently 83 resource churches in the country which the Church of England is, committing to, is committed to supporting over and above what they normally would do in order that, so we can give away over and above what we normally would do. That's why we have two curates. We're not just Abby, but we also have Tom. Um, and that's with the intention that we receive more so we can give away more. And that is something that's going to continue. But this is the strategy of the Church of England, is to establish these centres that can be resourcing which means we're going to receive more on the understanding that we give it away more as well and so we cannot think about our own congregation or our own parish or our own boundary we have to rise up to a wider um, regional and national responsibility now I would say we also have to do that in terms of where the church is going um, because we we know that the church of England is like on a knife edge as to whether it's going to go liberal or stay faithful to the the biblical received understanding of Christian ethics particularly. Um, We do have synod elections coming up this year and some of you who are involved with um, deanery synod or diocesan synod, we need to get some thinking about who can stand to be elected up to general synod because it's really important that we have orthodox voices elected there. This summer, we also have the Lambeth Conference, which is the once every 10 years gathering of all the bishops of the Anglican Communion when they all come together. We know already that that's going to be very problematic. We know that a lot of the conservative African provinces have refused to come if some of the liberal North American provinces come. And so there is a real possibility of breakup um, either on the Anglican Communion in in the international scale Or even in some way, some sort of impaired, some sort of broke, some sort of breach that might happen within the Church of England as well within the next two or three years. So there's a lot to fight for. There's a load of life um, and there's a lot of people looking to churches like ourselves because good things are happening. But we also have a wider responsibility to keep the church moored to the historical gospel. Um, Which sounds all very discouraging in some ways, doesn't it? But what I've been really struck by is this sense that actually there's something new that's coming. And um, I I believe, I've said that, um, I believe we are on the edge of something, that that God is on the move. Um, I have seen more unity amongst believers across denominations than I've ever known during my lifetime. I've seen more prayer movements starting and catching and really taking off, like Thy Kingdom Come, than I can remember at any point in my lifetime. Um, and I've got to believe that where God's people are one and they are crying out to Him, that those cries are not going to go unanswered by heaven. And you know, we are overdue for a revival in this land. Historically, the the picture has never been one of inexorable decline. The picture has always been decline, followed by God's people talk, call out to him and he does something. And it's happened numerous times in the history of this land, as it has around the world in other countries as well. So we haven't seen a revival um, on the mainland since, since 1904. We haven't seen a revival in any part of the British Isles since 1948. But we're overdue and God's people are praying and I believe that we're going to see the Lord start to move. Um, and so I, I was saying um, just, uh, just yesterday, that the last time we had a decade called the 20s, it was the roaring 20s. And my sense is that this is a decade in which God is not going to let his church be, be humiliated, but the lion is going to roar. It's going to be the, the decade of the roaring lion, um, and God is going to uh, show that it's not over and the church isn't finished. So, um, interestingly, when I was reading the scriptures, came across this little verse at the end of the Song of Songs. It's not where you normally look for inspiration, but it's, it's where I found. And it's an interesting little verse, and it's it's just this thing: who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? And it's this great picture of um, Song of Songs is is uh, a hymn to human love. But it's also, at another level, an allegory of God's relationship with his church. And this is this sense throughout the Old Testament that when times are hard, God's people go off into exile or they go off into wilderness. And this is a picture that says God brings that person back out of the wilderness as she leans into him. Um, and I think that's the way forward. So we need to recognize that we're in wilderness, we're in exile, that the church doesn't have the privileged position that we often think it historically has or should have. And you know when the laws start to get fixed against us, we stamp our feet. We need to recognize we're not in that place anymore. But the way to come out of the wilderness is to lean on the beloved, is intimacy and encounter. Um, I heard someone say, it's interesting that through scripture, that the more, the more in exile... God's people are the more secular the culture around them the more supernatural the story that gets told And so when it, when, it's, like when it gets darker when it gets less Christian the more supernatural the story suddenly becomes and so we need to pray for that so what, what might that look like for us well um, we were kicking some ideas around in the staff today and, and um, Mark was talking a little bit about some of the vision for St Andrews and I think he just captured something I wanted to share which is that what God's calling us to do is to get the culture and the framework established now for what God is going to do next. And for each of us, that individual um, question is, Lord, what should I be doing now so I can step into the thing I sense you calling me into then? Uh, So this is what it might look like for us. So into the roaring 20s. First thing I wanted to highlight tonight was the, the need for us Um, if we're going to play a bigger part and and have a wider influence, we need to work on raising up and releasing leaders, and that includes multiplying groups. Now, I know Abby and Tom, as they've held the uh, portfolio for small groups, have really emphasized, let's multiply groups, let's increase it, let's raise leaders up. The interesting thing is, in the life of the church, is that we don't have any problems starting groups when we have leaders to lead them. Um, when I w- was um, first ordained, the vicar I worked with back on the Wirral used to say, if, um, if we build the skeleton, God will hang the flesh. And it's absolutely true. that if we, if we go onto the prayer net and say, look, we've got a couple of people who are willing to start a group there, we will have a group there. In other words, we're not lacking for people to attend groups. It's leadership that enables that to happen. And so we need to work Really hard, I think, at identifying and raising up and encouraging and supporting leaders. And it might be some of you, you've been in groups for a while, uh, and perhaps God is giving you the nudge to say, look, I want to do something bigger, but in order to do something bigger, I need more people to lead the groups to put them into. Um, And that's like, if we build the skeleton, God will hang the flesh and build the body on it. Um, just encouragement, Tom was telling me earlier that we now have 36 small groups in the life of the church and we've got four more that are due to start very soon. Um, we're particularly looking to start groups in 11, 15, in the 1115 congregation. The reason for that is that um, that stage of life that many people in that congregation represent its very hard to get out to go to a group. So we're looking to start family-friendly groups where children can be involved and you don't need to arrange for babysitting. Um, 18 months ago, we had two small groups in the life of the church, which were for people in their 20s. Um, We now have five. We've got 55 people in their 20s who are involved in our small group structures. Um, And given what I was just sharing earlier about what the church's picture looks like for 20s, for youth... Um, and for children, that's really significant for us. Uh, so that's, that's part of what we need to do, is just, just get people into the small group life of the church, not just the big celebration. Um, and some of that is connected um, to the church planting and resourcing. So we are really committed to um, not just bringing new churches into our, our network, but actually to helping and assisting each of them to flourish and potentially plant new ones. Now, obviously, um, the, the headlines for this year is this time last year we were five, and in May we added Malcolm and Chris in Himes Park, which I think at that stage we hadn't foreseen, that we didn't fall into place until quite close. Um, and at the end of this month, then Abbey will take over responsibility for Holy Trinity, uh, South Woodford. Now, her last Sunday is going to be less than two weeks. so it's come up really quickly on us, that one. So, Abby's last Sunday is Sunday the 19th. We're going to be having drinks after the evening service, which we'd love you to come and stay for, so we can um, celebrate her and all that she's given in her brief 18 months with us. Um, And we also would love people to contribute towards a collection. She's not here tonight, so I can say it without fear. Um, But if you'd like to contribute towards a leaving gift for Abby and Simon, then um, come to the office. Now, we already know that there's uh, a number of people going with Abby and Simon, which is great. Um, We don't want anybody to ever leave the church, but we do want everybody in the church to be deployable and to be clear about where God is calling them. And so it's always a wrench when somebody moves on, but we want everybody to go, I'm in the place where. I know God has put me here and there's a contribution I can make. And so we're, we're going to, with tearful eyes, rejoice when people go off to Parking Riverside or when people go off to Holmes Park or St. Andrews or St. Seds, or Hainault and off to Holy Trinity Herman Hill as well. Um, I think that's really important because, again, that's kingdom. And what we've got through this network, is this MMU, Minister Unit, is we've got the opportunity to stay as family even as we spread out. And that's the normal thing that you do, isn't it? As families grow, uh, they multiply, but they still keep that family connection. I wish I could announce Abbey's replacement. We know exactly who it is. It's all agreed, but he hasn't had the chance to see the bishop yet. So um, we've got to follow due process. But hopefully within two or three weeks, we should be able to announce. But I can definitely say that we know we have another curate coming in July to replace Abby which again is a really significant sign because clearly we're fairly well resourced, but the diocese are giving us more because they know that we'll continue to give away. So it's all part of this resource church pipeline thing that um, I was talking about. Now, because we've got experience of um, resourcing, supporting, and trying to work out the complexity of being a big church that supports smaller churches, um, we're also going to be a a training centre, a new wine church planting hub, and um, that gives us the opportunity to share some of um, our journey with other churches as well. So another way that we can make a contribution is not just by giving money and people, but by sharing our gifts and skills. And um, about six o'clock tonight, I sent out an email to the, the 51 people in the diocese that are part of that, that network. I've had about 10 responses of people saying that they'd like to come and uh, come to an event in early February that we're going to run. Um, towards that sort of thing so um, next evangelism and prayer there's uh, so much to celebrate here um, we're really excited about the ongoing uh, prayer life of the church and the way that's developed and the more we've prayed about God sending a wave of salvation the more we've seen and I think, I, I didn't have the chance to do the count but we've, we've baptised somewhere between 15 and 20 adults in the last 6 months um, and uh, we, just, we just see that as soon as we get people converted, if we can get them baptised within a couple of weeks or so, their testimonies are fresh and powerful. It's been so encouraging to hear them. Um, Gareth led a, another young lady to the Lord last night. Um, so we're seeing people coming to faith with increasing um, regularity. It's really encouraging and um, we want to keep that up. But I think probably the challenge here is for us all to be involved in evangelism, not just for, be, for us to be a church that does evangelism and has evangelists. And um, the phrase that I, I was thinking about earlier was that Gareth was saying to, to me earlier, you know, we need to get evangelism being seen as part of discipleship. That actually is we're growing in our discipleship, all of us are being equipped in evangelism rather than saying i just don't do that i leave that for other people and i think the little phrase that sums it up is growing by going so the more that we can build on what we were saying in the autumn about being a sent people the more we will grow spiritually in our own confidence in the gospel but also in our ability uh, to share it um, so we got a good opportunity in a couple of weeks time so on saturday the 18th we've got simon gilbo Um, he is an amazing man he has an incredible uh, story of being involved on the mission field in Burundi uh, which we'll share on the prayer net in the next couple of days Um, but he's going to come and share a little bit about uh, taking the good news out on the streets so he will be speaking in the hungry worship celebration on the Saturday night and then in the 11.15 service on the Sunday morning and then taking a team out Sunday afternoon into Stratford to share the gospel to bring testimony back to the evening service uh, so we can share something of what we've seen God do and um, I would love to sort of think that maybe a few more of us might be interested in being involved in that rather than leaving it to what you might call the usual suspects Um, because I think actually it is we grow by going so it's, it's all about growing by going so I just encourage you to do that and I would encourage you to keep You know, wise men save souls. Keep praying for those who are in your life or in your relational world who don't know the Lord yet. Because the Lord is on the move. The Lord is on the move. And it's a good opportunity for us to be praying for them, for the prodigals and for others in our lives. Um, That leads us nicely into discipleship. Um, Well, obviously we've always had a strong emphasis as a teaching church on discipleship. We've got a number of courses that are starting on Wednesday nights. Um, They're all starting on Wednesdays, which means you do have to choose. Um, But equally, all of those courses are an option for for somebody. You know, I think everybody would beneficially be engaged. The difference between the three courses, two of them starting on the 15th, which is um, the the living word, which is uh, going deeper into exploring your faith through some video input and discussion, you, that might be uh, suitable for anybody, to be honest, but particularly for those who are exploring faith and haven't got there yet. Uh, we're also doing God With Us, which is the next installment of uh, WTC Theology. So if you want to go deeper and do some theological thinking, then the God With Us course. And then two weeks after that, we'll be starting the Kintsugi Hope, which is, uh, again, for anybody, but it's exploring emotional health, mental health, well-being. Um, and um, because they're all happening on the same night, they're going to have shared hospitality. So you all come at 7.30 and then um, after a suitable time of uh, sharing some drinks and fellowship together, you're going to separate out to the different uh, courses that are running on the, on the Wednesday night. Discipleship um, is not just about growing in your relationship with the Lord and your knowledge, but it's also about being shaped as a person in how we live and serve together. Um, and that includes hospitality. So Sunday the 26th, uh, which is the end of this month, is Hospitality Sunday. Um, we put the boards up yesterday, but there were so many notices, you might have missed it. So the idea is that we would love some people to offer, to host and have people round for a Sunday lunch, and we'd love some other people to volunteer to go and eat. Um, I know which category I'm in. So um, uh, do have a look at the boards at the back, and we hopefully get similar numbers of offers that we can match up. Um, We did a real initiative in Welcome in the last year, just to say thank you to Sarah Schroeder and to Tom, who've been um, part of setting that up, and now it's multiplied out to the other services, so thank you for all those who are involved across the services. It's really exciting. Um, Tom reckons we've had somewhere between 120 and 140 Connect cards from people who are new to the church. So we usually say, if you're new, we'd love to get to know you, help you into the life of the church. Somewhere between 120 and 140. Well, that's really significant, isn't it? Um, So this is a season in which lots of people come to church for the first time or come back or uh, maybe if they sense that God's moving them on from their current place, come and check things out. So I just want to say to us all, let's be alert to newcomers. People come for lots of reasons. They only stay for one, relationship. So even if you love the worship, you love the preaching, you love the programs, if you can't connect and find friendship, it's really hard. And so helping people into the life of the church is really important if we can do that. Um, on discipleship, just to say about the preaching programs that we've got up until Easter, we're in 1 Peter at the moment. I started yesterday and we'll be running through until the start of Lent. In Lent, we're actually going to be looking at uh, what we call the red letters, um, some of you have got Bibles where some, all of Jesus' words are read. So we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus teaches, and particularly looking into the Sermon on the Mount for that one. Um, a wider expression of discipleship is our social responsibility and climate care as well. So just we have a number of social action programs, justice programs in the life of the church that we support. I'm really pleased to say that we've recently responded to a request from the police um, that when they do raids in East London um, to address issues of sex trafficking or forced labour, they need a reception centre where they can bring people and do the processing uh, and we've volunteered to be one of those because we've got facilities that gives them toilets and a number of rooms that they can use discreetly um, and what you know, the ability to make teas and coffees and stuff like that. So really pleased to be able to help in that way, they haven't used this yet but I'm sure they will. Um, We're looking into the possibility of starting, um, uh, there's an education charity that New Wine supports a lot called TLG um, who make an incredible difference in local schools and we're looking at being part of their early intervention program which would mean uh, raising up people in the life of the church who have a heart for children who might be on the edge of exclusion, but certainly on, the, on um, the edge of really seriously dropping behind and getting into them in the primary schools in partnership uh, with the school and the education authority to provide learning mentors and behaviour mentors who can actually keep kids engaged so they don't drop out of the system into exclusion. Um, it makes a massive difference to people's life outcomes. So uh, we're hopefully we've got a leader for that and we're just exploring what partnership Um, looks like and I mentioned climate care as well there's a lot to say on that and a major issue um, in just in the media at the moment that everybody's aware of Um, it's something into which the church is uniquely positioned to speak because we believe in the creator and we are called to steward and so we've done a lot this year already so thank you for those who were involved in the climate uh, sorry in the the audit so we've done a lot about our recyclables and our sustainables. Um, we do continue to encourage people to bring their keep cups rather than use cups. Everything we have can, can be recycled, but if you use the bins properly. We did have a car-free Sunday where, where we said, if you can walk, please do try and walk for that Sunday um, if it's within range. Um, and then just little things like the toy and gift Sunday, which historically has been when we've come up with new and uh, unwrapped gifts and we give them we found that actually quite a lot of waste there because we ended up with so many toys that we almost couldn't give them away because the projects didn't need that much or they didn't need those things so this year we shifted over to making that a financial offering in the main and again part of the driver for that is to be efficient to not invest in waste in any way not contribute towards that so I think that's really good Uh, All the Kingdom Coffee stuff that we use is all fair trade and we're seeking fair trade accreditation. We would like somebody to volunteer to be a fair trade rep. So um, we're pushing ahead on those things but if you've got a passion for that sort of issue, fair trade and justice, then um, do have a word with the office because we'd like a point of contact. I don't think it would be a demanding job but it would be important that we get somebody in that role. Uh, On the prayer net tonight... Uh, You'll have seen, and there are flyers at the back, but Friday week, we've got a swap event for the ladies, and the idea is, rather than buying new clothes, that there might be a case of bring along nearly new clothes that you are happy to give away, and then you just swap them around, and then you get to refresh your wardrobe without spending money or causing more um, fabrics to be cut. Um, The diocese are doing some events the next day at St. Mary's Wanstead, which we'll put on the prayer net so there's a lot of stuff going on like that but in response to all of that I I think I just wanted to highlight uh, four things to end Um, the first is that we we need to be reshaped as a church and the, the first thing is we keep on talking about what the church is going to do actually ultimately it's individually what we each are going to do so it's it's personal discipleship is the key to all of this so my, my um, cry to you throughout all of this is for each of us to think I'm part of that, but what is my particular part of that? So where do I fit into that? How, what part can I play? Um, it's not what a great church, aren't they all doing wonderful things? It's not even what a great church, aren't we all doing wonderful things? It's we could do wonderful things if we all do our little bit. Um, and we need to know what our little bit looks like for ourselves. And I do think that, the, that um, I come back to that scripture again from the Song of Songs. You know, who is this who is coming out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? It, it is, this is a season where God is calling us to a closer walk with him. To, to know the intimacy of leaning on the beloved. That's the only way out of the wilderness, out of the exile experience. That's where um, our history tells us that revivals start with people on their knees. So that's where we've been called back to. It's about us personally. Second thing is we're going to do a bit of a review of our service patterns. Um, PCC and I have have spoken about this. It's nearly 20 years since we had any change in the structure of services that we do at All Saints. Obviously, most of the services have developed a bit. But I became aware during the autumn of a a number of things that people were saying in uh, um, in different congregations. I thought, well, we probably need to, rather than just kind of kick that into the long grass and say, no, 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 this is definitely the best thing. We found it out 20 years ago. To ask ourselves, is it still the best thing? Is it still the best way of doing stuff? Um, I suspect it's going to be tweaks rather than root and branch upheaval. But what we want to do is we want to say to the congregation, what what works? We noticed the 930 congregation um, that we've had a couple of, slightly different 9.30 congregation um, services where we had the uniformed organizations in for a parade um, or when we had a baptism service with one of the families at at 9.30. We noticed a number of younger families starting to come to 9.30 because the timing and perhaps the format works better for them. Um, And we wanted to say, well, how can we build on what we have at 9.30 to make it a really good parish service in that style, um, but make it perhaps a little bit more accessible, even if that means we, we might be able to start um, a bit of, bit of children's work for, for younger, the youngest of children there because we've got people who are coming at the moment who can come because their kids are sort of under the age of two or three, but once they get a little bit bigger, it's going to be harder for them to be at 9.30 and if that's where they want to be, how can we make that happen? It's all about that thing about if people are there, let's make sure what we're putting in front of them is an open door, not a closed one. Um, and how can we bring the best of some of the things that God has been sharing um, with the wider church into the 9.30 service? Equally, 11.15 and 6.30 as well. One of the issues we have at 11.15 is for some people it's exactly the right time. For some people it's a little bit too late. Um, you know, we, we want to kind of keep looking at all of our services. Um, 6.30, very encouraging at the moment. We had 211 people here for communion last night for 6.30. It's obviously a bit special because it was the start of the year, but, you know, there's good blessing there. Um, what we're going to do, I think, is... Um, the, the PCC and, uh, have already had a, a first conversation about this. Um, I've spoken with one or two representatives of the choir as well, about 9.30 particularly, And um, actually, already you may not have noticed, but started making a few little changes um, just to sort of perhaps freshen up some of the worship that we're using there as well. But what we're probably going to do is put a bit of survey out later this term, just so that we can um, assess what the needs are and how best to meet them. And the point of all of this is um, the point of all this is a missional imperative, it's not a comfort imperative. It's not you know, just give the people what they want. It's a, you know, a democracy, people want this. so we have to, you know. It's actually what works best to help people engage with the Lord and to lower the bar for people who want to come into the church that are being drawn by God and need to be here uh, so they can hear. Uh, so that's service pattern. Um, we do have some staff team changes. Now, we've got some temporary issues. So one, I would particularly love you to pray for Taryn, um, Taron started working with us uh, in the middle of last year, doing a great work with our social media. Um, he's got a major operation at the end of the month where he's basically having his left foot broken and reset to try and help his foot, his knee, his back uh, and some of the um, you know, physical problems that he has. So do pray for him. He, he reckons he'll be out of action for four weeks. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Taron basically runs on prayer and Coke. It's, you know, um, Coca-Cola. I mean, say, that, say that quickly, yeah. So, just so you know. Um, I mean, he is absolutely amazing, but um, we're aware it's going to impact him really, really badly, and it will impact us. Um, he'll be in a cast for at least four months, which will impact his mobility around sight as well. So I'm sure he'll still be working far more than he should do, but that's a big issue for him. Now, a more permanent and, in many ways, more significant change is that Sophie is going to be leaving us in the summer, at the end of August. Um, she's been with us for 18 years, I think, as our children's worker. Um, most of you will know that she's in ordination training. She's not actually due to be ordained until the year after, but to get out of her small size shoes and start shepping into her adult-sized shoes, she really needs a year where can she, she can be back in adult worship so she can begin that transition of um, getting ready for her ordained ministry to all the ages, not just to chip the kids. So that's sad, but I think that's very sensible of her and um, she'll be duly honoured um, when we get to that moment. Um, and there will probably be other changes as, as there always are. Uh, and a final thing is if we're shaping ourselves as a church to go into this future then we need to keep thinking about building the wider team, not just the staff team, but all the leadership of the church. Basically, this group that you represent. um, I know all of you here, you're involved and committed and uh, just want to keep that that growing. We need to think about succession. Um, We need to think about who's being raised up to take some of the places, particularly if we're going to be sending The more we send, the more we need to make sure that we've got that pipeline of people who are being released behind. And I just put the last word on there, diversity, because I'm increasingly aware of um, the blessing of really gifted Asian and African families coming into our church. And uh, I would really encourage us to... um, to be seriously looking at how we can encourage people from those backgrounds into the PCC, into, um, into service in all sorts of ways. Many of them are actually stepping forward, which is a good encouragement. They obviously feel uh, very comfortable, but actually looking around tonight, we're, with one or two exceptions, we're all of the same shade. Um, and it, I think it's just not reflective. Who we are tonight is not reflective of who we are on a Sunday, and that's the disconnect we need to address so that we're actually... Um, having a leadership that is able to uh, represent who we are now as a church, um, and that none of God's gifts go wasted. So I leave you with a final scripture. I've read it already. So if we're going to go into this next decade, how are we going to go there? Well, I think we need to recognize that the the church more widely is in exile, is in wilderness. But I believe that God is going to lead us back out of wilderness into blessing, And he'll do that as we lean in upon him in intimacy and encounter. Those are real hallmarks of the way that we we try and lead our church. I often say when we have new staff members come, I often say, look, this is what we do, but more important is why we do it. So I could tell you what we do, but actually why we do it is that it's the culture piece that underlies it all, that we approach even our formal services, we lead them, in what we hope is a warm tone of relaxed informality. Because what we want to see is whatever spiritual style people have, whatever the service pattern looks like, what we want to see is all of those services are about people encountering the Lord. It's about intimacy. Um, it, It is the individual's personal relationship that means the corporate experience of us together is one where we can truly say that Jesus is at the center. Uh, And I I believe that that's actually the, the stepping stone into some of the great things that God has for us.